This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening. A uh, big weekend of racing, a very patriotic weekend of racing, as our nation remembered what happened to us uh, 20 years ago as uh, Patriots Day celebrated or remembers 9-11. And we did that, too, in the industry, and it was a really great weekend. whole lot to talk about, but first, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Martin Truex Jr. fought through an opening lap penalty for beating the leader to the, f- uh, to the finish line and then ended up picking up the win at Richmond Raceway Saturday night with the NASCAR Cup Series. And uh, with the win, he punches his ticket into the next round of the playoffs. Denny Hamlin in there with a win from last week, and Kyle Larson has already advanced on points, so you've already got three three drivers set for the next round. C.J. Leary pocketed $20,000 during the inaugural Husset Speedway's USAC Nationals on Sunday. Leary held off charges from some of the best in the business, Brady Bacon and Chris Windham were on the podium. How about Jonathan Davenport? He joins Billy Moyer, Scott Bloomquist, and Donnie Moran as the only four drivers to win four or more World 100s at Eldora Speedway. Davenport passed Brandon Overton just after the halfway point to lead the 45, the final 45 laps. Uh, I should say the final 45 laps uh, of the race to collect the win. I just said it was the World 100 and then thought, wait a minute, is 45 just past halfway? Math is hard, Rich France. <laughs> Finally in the Motor City Minute, Daniel Ricciardo started from the front and went on to dominate Formula One's Italian Grand Prix from Monza. The win was his first since 2018. And how about this? It was the first win for McLaren since 2012. And that's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Myself, Zach Heiser, Rich France, join you on a Monday night. How are you, sir? Good. I had, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you a little bit about my weekend, Zach. I was planning. I, I had nothing concrete on the schedule, which was nice for the first time sure. in, oh, seven months. Yeah. Okay. So um, so I was sitting around and, and I said, you know what? This would be a perfect opportunity. I'm going to go up to uh, Birch Run Speedway and Event Center and catch the Dixie Classic 100. For sure. So I look on the traffic radar because I know I have traffic and... There's no way for me to get there because five miles from my house, it's backed up 20 miles. Oh, no. So then I thought, wait a minute. I can kill two birds with one stone. Yes. I, I, I really wanted to watch the World 100 at night, too. So I somehow figured it out. And I thank, I, I really want to thank the folks at Flow Racing for slowly delaying that program to late at night <laughs> because I was able to catch the Dixie classic 100 on speed 51 
and still catch the full world 100 yeah <laughs> on flow racing so don't, my saturday uh, night was actually pretty good don't tell anybody but uh through technology uh and through a friend of ours that, that was at a racetrack that i was at on saturday night i also was able to get done calling my race and watch the finish of the world 100 <laughs> so it was uh, the world 100 was uh, a pretty big race but so was the dixie classic 100 rich and uh, our buddy Ed, Ed Enlows was there, and he was nice enough to write us up a recap of what happened. Yeah, Zach, a capacity crowd was on hand for the uh, final oval racing show of the year at the Dixie Birch Run Speedway and Event Center, whatever we want to. they got to get that straightened <laughs> out for 2022 for us. It'll just make it easier. Uh, and they were treated to some fast-paced action from start to finish. Uh, Tyler Rurg would set fast time for the 15 Outlaws, and he would start from... Uh, his 10th starting position after the invert. The Hurricane Scott Hance made a rare appearance these days uh, and sat on the pole alongside Lennon, Michigan's Alex Hagen. Hagen. Uh, Needles uh, made Steve Needles made quick work of Hance and uh, was on Hagen by lap six. Rorg moved into third by lap nine, and it looked like it was going to be the Steve Needles and uh, Tyler Rorg show. But then things started to get interesting uh, on lap 16. Rorg's number 24 machine slowed on the track and headed to the pit area uh, for what was later determined to be a power steering issue. Uh, on lap 27, Kyle Crump took his crosstown forward to the pits. And Zach, on lap 28, with a straightaway lead, Steve Needles uh, pulled his car to the top of turn number two and headed into the pit area as well. Uh, Needles came into the night with a 26-point lead over Sean Amore. Uh, and his early exit had series officials scrambling and crunching the numbers to calculate the possible championship scenarios. Uh, Barry Amore, Harold Fair Jr., and Dan Leak were strung together trying to take Chase down uh, Hagen and Hans. Uh, Barry was the first to get there and would move into second on lap 46. Uh, Dan Leak would move into third on la by lap 49, and by lap 55, the three cars were running nose to tail with each looking for a way around Hagen. Uh, Fair would drop out on lap 59 uh, as the battle up front would heat up even more. And uh, on lap 70, only one, the only caution to the race would come out as uh, Barry and Hagen would make contact going into turn one. Uh, it appeared at the time uh, Barry was the only one to suffer damage as he had right front issues. But Hagen was able to continue. But on the restart, it seemed uh, Hagen may have spun his tires but it ended up being collateral damage to the incident as Dan Leak jumped into the lead from the outside of the front row on the restart. Uh, Hagen would pull into the pits with that damage from the incident, and uh, Leak never looked back, Zach, and was never challenged over the final 30 laps and went on for his first ever reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Model victory. Amore did all he could do to try to grab the championship, but with Needle's uh, 12-place finish and Amore second, Sean fell 12 points short of the goal, and uh, our boots on the ground, Chuck Darling, got his thoughts. All right, we're now in the trailer of Sean Amor, your second place finisher in tonight's Fastlane Auto Exchange Dixie Classic 100. Sean, 
Tell us about that run. You had a very close points battle going into this night, but according to officials, even if you won with Steve dropping out, you still would have finished second. But nonetheless, second place is a great night at a racetrack. Yeah, that's a great night against these guys, the toughest guys in the country are here tonight. And uh, I had a couple bad runs this year, and this is Steve's first bad run, so we were thinking about it, talking about it, and there's just if we'd have finished two positions ahead in any other race, we uh, might have had a tiebreaker here tonight for the points, but to run second year, I've never raced here. It's a really nice place. Uh, we'll definitely be coming back. Well, that's good to hear as part of the Bertrand Speedway crew. I appreciate hearing that. Now, what's the plans from here? Are you going to run the Glass City, or was this pretty much one and done for your season, or are you going to pick apart a couple of specials? I know the Big O uh, has their Owasso Nationals in a couple of weeks, so what's your plans going forward? Uh, well, we kind of have a short track car here. We're a little undermotored for Toledo, so we'll probably set that one out and uh, regroup for next year. And uh, we got a couple, couple races we might run the rest of the year here, and then uh, tear it down, rebuild, it, and start all over. All right, and finally, Sean, we give you the opportunity to you know thank anybody who makes this all possible. I know there's a lot of people on the car, but there's also a lot of people at home that don't get their names on the car. Tell us who those are. Well, Roy Nichols and Mary, they own the car, and then RCH, we got Chris Atkins over there at the Autoplex, and he uh, helps us out with anything we need. We're never short on funds, and uh, I got John and Rick and T-Bone and my dad and them guys every night in the shop we work on them, and that's why we're here. We tore it up pretty bad a couple weeks ago at the Clash, and it was an every night event to get it done to come here. And I got to thank uh, Whitman's Auto Sales offered me their car if I uh, didn't get it done, so that was really nice to hit Kenny over there. Well, he definitely got it done tonight. A strong second-place showing for the driver of the number six, Sean Amar. Hans held steady for a third-place finish, and, and Chuck caught up with him to debrief his rare start. All right, we're here with finishing in the third spot tonight at the Dixie Classic 100, Scott Hans. Now, Scott, you had a long way to come, but you're an infrequent competitor in the super late models nowadays, but you brought out this Dick Barker on 72 machine and came home with a third-place finish. How about that? Yeah, it was a good night for us. Uh, our game plan tonight was actually we just came here to practice. We're getting ready for the Glass City 200 next week. And uh, they added to the purse this week 5,000 to win. So we said, hey, we might as well come out and get some paid practice. Hey, that's a good way to look at it. Uh, definitely gearing up for that. Now, how is running here at Dixie's 4 tenths mile compared to the Glass City 200 at Toledo? They both share a lot of speed. Uh, they're pretty similar. It's, they're both good tracks. All right, and who do you got to thank for your third place finish tonight? Well, first off, Dick Barker. He's uh, crew chief of the car, and Pat Moran, Moran Chevrolet, Clinton Township, Michigan, and my uh, crew chief, uh, Wayne Monk. All right, that was Scott Hancher, third place finisher in tonight's Dixie Classic 100, presented by Fast Lane Auto Exchange. Well, that's the hard charge of the race, Claude Platt Jr. Uh, he came from 12th to 4th and uh, Mike Root would complete the top five. And Zach joining us uh, on the program now after his big win, not just because we won, but because Big Ed called us out on Speed 51 and said <laughs> we had to have him. Uh, Dan Leake, uh, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, glad to be here. Man, um, let's go back to Saturday. Um, I'm sure there were a whole lot of other options that could have happened Saturday, but with when you pulled in that pit area, did you think, that's where you were going to be standing at the end of the night? Uh, that was the plan right from the get-go. Um, you know, I, I looked at the entry list, knew there was going to be some heavy hitters there, but uh, home track and, uh, you know, the outlaw car, it's, it's been really good to me. So, 
you know, that was the plan going into the night. You find yourself uh, at the beginning of the race, you're kind of really stacked up in the middle of the field. Uh, you had a few cars that you were running with, Harold Fair Jr. being right. one of them. Also one of the guys that was probably, you could, probably could have picked to be up front in that event. But, uh, you know, Steve Needles took off. Tyler Roeg tried, you know, getting out there. And what are you thinking as you see one after, one at a time just pulling off turn number two? Uh, you know, that's kind of, I mean, I don't know what it is with outlaw cars, but, uh, that's kind of like what you see in them longer races. I don't, I don't really know why it's more on the outlaw side of things, but, uh, I mean, uh, when I seen them coming off like that, I'm like, man, this is crazy. I can't believe one right after another. I mean, I, I figured there'd be a couple that would, would do that kind of like for whatever reason, Dixie in like the glass city for, you know, the, the speeds, the outlaw cars, it's always kind of the same thing. You know, they start with so many and they end with so few. So I, I really didn't think, you know, the bigger names, like you just said, was going to fall off that soon. But Do you start getting worried uh, in the seat there? I mean, obviously, you know your car. You're wrenching on it. You're, you touch all the bolts and you put all the stuff on. When you start seeing those guys who have good programs start having issues, or does that start to weigh on your mind as well? Uh, you know, you always, you're always thinking, you know, I hope nothing's going to fall off. I hope I tighten that, you know, if you take something off during the week, like, oh man, I hope I put that on right, you know, but, uh, for the most part, no, just because it is just usually me or, you know, one other guy, Matt in the shop. Um, you know, we got a pretty good, you know, program that we do. We, our, our service is good. Our maintenance is good. Um, you know, and I think, really, I thought we were going to be all right, you know, and plus I didn't, I know how to run them, some longer races like that. So from the drop to green, I kind of just saved and saved and saved. I didn't really push nothing to its limits until it was time to go. So middle part of the race, I was still feeling pretty all right about it. Now, once I got to the lead, that was a little different, you know, <laughs> then you get all them things going through your head, like, oh man, I really hope everything's going to be all right. But, uh, in, our, in that case, you know, for once, Everything went our way, and we were able to be on the front stretch there at the end. It sounds like, uh, by the way, you, you take a lot of pride in your mechanical side of things, and uh, I don't necessarily remember you in either the template car or the outlaw having that issue. Uh, that mechanical structure, being structurally sound, it must be top of your priority list in, in the shop. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, you know, like back in, oh, probably... 2011, 2012, uh, started racing with Neil May. He, uh, I mean, that man right there, he is keen on, on maintenance. His maintenance program was just awesome. And, uh, he really got me, you know, he, he set me up a sheet of what I needed to do throughout the week. And he just got me on this, on this great maintenance program. And it kind of just stuck with me. Um, you know, and, and we just continued to do it and it, and it helps, you know, at times it, it, it kind of is a bummer to only have me or or one other guy in the shop but when it comes to maintenance like that it's really nice to to know that it was either me or one other guy you know the same guy matt hogan he he's the only guy that basically helps in the shop so it's him or i just makes things a little easier i got trust in him he's got trust in me and uh yeah everything everything usually goes pretty good on the maintenance side now i don't want to jinx anything because anything can happen but <laughs> Um, for the last several years, our maintenance program has been, been really good. 
Now you get by Hanson Hagen and you know, and I don't want to make this sound like you won because a bunch of guys pulled off into the pits, but that's when I saw that you had a really good race car when you drove away from those guys and just set sail. Is that good? Is that better for you like that to be out and gone? And then you have all this time to think of what's going on, or would you rather be battling with these guys down to the, down to the end? Well, I mean, normally, normally I, that that's just my deal. Like I'm, I always felt that I'm better at the longer races like that. I, I, you know, I can kind of pace myself. Don't burn it up there early on. And, uh, that was, that was the whole mindset throughout the whole race. And I would have probably waited a little bit longer, you know, not much, maybe 20 to go or so, but then, then just the way that it all played out, the way we had that caution and, and, uh, basically the caution when it came out, I was on the outside there. I, I, I just told myself, you know, if I could get out front, then I'll kind of calm down. Well, then that, you know, the race being a, a race with no radios, no mirrors, nothing like that. I kind of got out front and then I didn't really know how far I was. So there was a couple of times where I drove down in there and I'm like, wow, man, I'm driving her pretty hard. It's, you know, I don't know how many laps are left because the scoreboard kept acting up. So I was, I probably drove the last 15 laps way harder than I needed to, but just with not knowing where anybody was at, um, there wasn't really anything else I could do other than try to not lose the race. <laughs> and I don't, th- and I don't think it mattered. I mean, on that last restart, I don't know. I, I firmly believe I don't know that Andrew knew that he had a problem uh, on the caution flag until he got on the throttle. Um, but I don't think it would have mattered anyway. I think you would have uh, the way your car looked and how, how good of a restart you had. I don't think it would have mattered. Oh, thank you. I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I never want to sound cocky or anything like that, but I, I really feel our car, you know, it's a shame that you never want to see anybody fall out of the race, but it, it, it just, it kind of sucks in a way that uh, the 18 and, or he might've been the 14 this time around uh, needles and needles and roar kind of fell out there. Cause I really wanted to, to show everybody that I feel that we're, you know, we're at their level, maybe, maybe not at, at some places, but at my home track, you know, I really felt like I could have raced with them guys there at the end, you know, qualifying in short run speed, you know, that's, that's one thing, but being there at the end of a hundred lap race, I really feel like we could have been, you know, right there with them if they were, you know, even if they were still on, on the track. Dan, you're the hometown guy there at Birch Run. Uh, you know, you've done a lot of stuff in your career, including a couple of JEGS uh, template championships, and you've run and won some big races. Does it ever get, uh, not old, but does it ever get, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, the same routine to win in front of the home crowd, or is it always special? No, it's always special. I mean, every, you know, really every win is special. It it takes so much work and time and dedication and money, and it just takes so much of everything to, to put a race together to win it. Um, I, I don't think it could ever get old. I mean, uh, there's it's hard to beat winning in front of that hometown crowd and everybody's going crazy and, you know, everybody's excited for you and you got all your friends and family and sponsors that, you know, when we do this traveling deal, sometimes it's only four or five guys that go with me. And, you know, when you get to win and everybody comes out on the track, no, it's, it's pretty awesome. I don't, I don't think that could ever get old. And I don't, I was going to, you know, I was going to answer that question for you because I was at the harvest and when you see Dan Leak in a street stock, he just wants to win. (laughs) There's no other reason for it, but, but he just wants to win. That's right. (laughs) 
Man, uh, so let's talk about some of the stuff now that's going on at the end of the year. Uh, what do you got planned? You got the Outlaw. You ran a street stock. We've seen your template car this year. You hitting any other marquee races in this area or abroad? Well, um, normally this time of year I'd be thinking about one thing only, and I'd be Winchester. Uh, but we, unfortunately, we got tore up pretty good at, at the last Dixie race for mm-hmm. the with the Jegs Tour. And we quite just don't quite have that one ready for Winchester yet. So uh, probably probably do like the Michigan Cup with the Outlaw car and tossing the idea around about the Owasso National. Now there's a there's a race that's burning a burning a fire right through Rich Francis' skull right now as we sit here because we're going to preview it coming up. Uh, you don't have any plans for this weekend? No, no. I mean, I would love to be able to race the Glass City at Toledo. It just you know, my, my car, it's pretty, it looks good, it, it runs good, it's fast, uh, good maintenance program, but at the end of the day, it's it's an older car. So um, I always have that in the back of my mind when everybody asks about Toledo. It's just, I, I don't want to, I, I would like to go to Toledo with maybe a new car. <laughs> you know, a new car, newer parts, everything on my car has just got a lot of miles on it and I just hate to take it down there and something bad to happen. Now, I know that can happen anywhere, but I've seen some bad things happen at Toledo. <laughs> well, and I, I just want to clarify, too, for the fans listening, that, that and it kind of will put into perspective our Glass City 200 preview, which is coming up next. Your concern is maybe not about being fast with an old car, but it's about having the uh, the support if something goes wrong with an old car. Well, just, you know, the, the speeds, you, you, you got the high speeds at Toledo, the, the load numbers, the force, you know, everything. There's just so much stress on all the parts when you go to Toledo. And, and there again, it's a hundred lap or, you know, it's not a 30 lap race. So, um, you know, just, just with my parts being older on the car, the rear end and the suspendals and just, just the suspension in general, you know, even right down to my transmission, everything's. I'm not going to say it's just flat worn out, but it, it has some miles on it. And, and Toledo is in that aspect a lot similar to uh, Winchester. You know, it's just really, really hard on equipment um, just because of the high speeds. But that's also why everybody goes to them tracks is for the high speeds. It's awesome. But uh, with this with this car, with this particular car, it uh, I won't be there this weekend. <laughs> Dan, it sounds like, though, that – that may be a bucket list item for you that maybe you want to make happen before you hang this thing up. Oh, absolutely. I, I would love to race the glass city. I would, I mean, it would be nothing cooler than to take, you know, a template car for the CRA side of it. And then a, a, an outlaw car for the, the real glass city. I mean, it would be awesome. Always, always wanted to run that race. Um, back when it was, I think it was 200 laps. I mean, that would, that would have been, you know, that, that right there, that's a real race. That's, that's awesome. I'd love to, Love to take part of it, just not with this car. <laughs> now, uh, I, I'm going to do something, Rich, if it's okay with you. Um, because this is coming up next, and you're not going to race in the event, Dan, um, if you were a betting man, anybody we should keep our eye on for, for this weekend at Glass City? Um, well, Needles is, is always tough. I, I don't know if he's on the list or not, but if he's there, he, he's going to be tough. And then... Uh, I would have to say Brian Bergacre. If he's if he's going, he'll, he'll be really good. All right. 
Yeah, uh, Needles is on the list, by the way. So uh, you're going to help us okay. roll right into the Glass City 200 preview, and we'll get Rich's opinion on that as well. So, uh, well, Dan, hey, congratulations on a big win at Dixie. You know, that that is awesome for you. And um, i, I got to imagine, as we heard, that the stands being so full, it's really got to be a nice way to kind of put a cap on the season over there. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. I mean, I'm, 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 and I'm also happy for the racetrack. You know, Bertrun Speedway, Dixie Speedway, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, it's home, and it hasn't been in the best shape the last several years. And to see the, the the stands that full and the pits that full, you know, it was it was an awesome deal. I'm I'm happy that things are turning around for them. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. It was. Saturday night was just one of those nights, you know, everything went the way you were hoping it would go and um, just just really, really happy and, you know, really fortunate that it went our way and hopefully, uh, hopefully there's many more of them. Dan, who's on the side of that car that makes it possible for you to do what you do? I'd be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to, to talk about those guys. Uh, well, like our family-owned business, Mr. Ashfall, they, they helped me out a ton. Uh, they have you know, they've been with me for my whole career. Um, Bridge Lake Auto, M&M Lawn Care, uh, County Line Outfitters, Helm Roadie, Helm Electric, uh, Bridge, um, I said Bridge Lake, uh, Green Acres Golf Course, Seneca Performance, Ernest Performance, Mike Garvey Racing. Um, and, you know, and then I got my, I got a good group of guys that uh, they've helped me for a long time now and uh, like I mentioned earlier, my buddy Matt Hogan, he puts in a lot of time in the garage with me. Uh, Kevin Kowalski, he's been going to all the races with us. Uh, Neil Peters, Steve Poniatowski, my Uncle Tom, Uncle Brian. Uh, and I hope I don't forget anybody. <laughs> uh, let's see, who else? A lot of family members. You know, it's just that that's one thing about my racing deal. It's, it's a family deal. Uh, my wife and daughter, they're they're out in the garage with us and, Actually, real quick story. My my daughter, she's been she's been wearing me out all summer. We've we've won some races and like we went to the harvest Sunday and we're driving home from the harvest. I think we finished third and she's in the back seat and she's just telling me how you know you've been doing good, Dad. She's three years old too, by the way. She's been she's been on me and she's like, you know, you've been doing good this year, but uh, we really got to win this next race. <laughs> so so we get so we get home and I think it's I don't know. This was Sunday, so maybe like Tuesday, Wednesday. It was hot out. She wanted to go get ice cream, and she comes out in the garage and she says, "Well, mommy and I are going to go get ice cream. You want to go?" And I said, "Well, I got to work on this car. You told me that I got to win this weekend." And so she <laughs> she uh, she basically talked talked her mom out of going to get an ice cream so that we could all stay in in the garage and make sure that the car got done. So, How about that? You got a dedicated that. crew member there. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool, but no, my. You know, my whole family, everybody just helps out as much as they possibly can. And uh, just, you know, I really appreciate it. So, well, Dan, that's about it. man, congratulations. Uh, happy for you to get back to Victory Lane at uh, Birch Run. And good luck if you get a chance to get out there with the template car to end out the season. All right, guys. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was good hearing from you. Hey, I want to talk about uh, a really fun race that happened on Friday night um, for the uh, the OGs, as the kids say, for the original Horsepower Happenings fans. They'll remember one of our uh, original hosts, Kevin Reeve. Man, he got back behind the wheel of a race car uh, over the last couple of years, and he went out to Tri-City on Friday night. 
and him and Joe Rokas put on arguably one of the best shows of the year in the UMP Modified Division. This was a big race, $5,000 to win. The field was a little smaller than folks probably would have liked. I think they had about 16 cars, but the race up front was the race to watch. Joe Rokas on the bottom, right around the tractor tires. Kevin Reeve ripping the lip, and they exchanged the lead about five times over the course of 20 laps, and every time the lead changed, it was by mere inches at the line. Well, that all changed, Rich, after 25 green flag laps. The race had its first caution flag, and it reset everything. Rokas was scored as the leader at the line uh, the last time around, so he would be out in front of a Delaware double-file restart. Kevin would choose the top of row number two, where he had been running, and it looked as though everything was going to be on par for another good race until they went into turn number one. Joe went to the bottom. Kevin was set up to hit the cushion. And he did just that, and he hit it too hard. Reeves fell all the way back to fifth with just four laps to go. Come back around, three to go, and Reeves continues to try to find something on the top of the racetrack, but insert another driver who went to the top and took the line away. Well, come back around to two to go. Reeves found just enough room on the top of the front straightaway to take it three wide into turn one. Move Kevin Reeves now up into the fourth spot. Down the back straightaway into turn three, picks up another spot. White flag in the air. Kevin crosses the line third. Joe Rokas out in front. And uh, I had a chance to talk with Kevin down in victory lane, and his claim to fame was, I never lifted. <laughs> Going into turn one, he put it on the lip and put it on the chip all the way around for the final lap. Rich France came back across, across the start-finish line. I had no idea who won that race. 0.034 across the line. Kevin Reeve picks up the win over Joe Rokas. Photo finish. Had to look at the scoreboard to watch it change to see who won that race. And uh, so happy, so proud for Kevin to pick up the win. And uh, he did share with me that that was the first win that he was able to pick up since losing his dad three years ago. Uh, so in a really, really emotional win. And he was by himself, too. His wife had to stay home. He had no crew with him. It was a one-man band and a big win and, and really a lot of fun. And you could tell on social media this week, too, everybody was really happy for Kevin. And uh, we are, too, here at Horsepower Happenings. It was really fun to see him go back to victory lane. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for Kevin because you guys paved, paved the way for a guy like me to come on here and do this. And I, I used to listen to you guys all the time. And then it was like, hey, you're going to do this? Uh-oh. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I, and I thought, you know, Zach, I thought Kevin was retiring. He sold everything he had. And now he, he buys a modified, and you put some zeros on the end, and he's ready to go again, right? I know. We all told him, you're you're being silly for retiring. And it just took a couple of years. And uh, I said, so are you going to put the car away? You're going to go out on top? No. Now we got it rolling. We're going to go try to find more Ws. Uh, so uh, I'm happy for Kevin. Good luck the rest of the way, my man, if this gets to you. Uh, really was happy to share that moment with him. And, uh, it, it, again, it was so cool to see the community on Facebook and, and social media rally around him and be so happy for him. It was it was quite an experience. Even Joe said, uh, I guess if i got to lose my lunch money to somebody, it's it's all right to lose it to Kevin. So it was pretty cool. And I think – and, and I've been fo I followed Joe all season long, and he really needed a win, too. He did, and yes. So he, I mean, he had been running very well, so this was, you know – I know how good Joe's been running all year, and this is a good win for Kevin. really is. Hey, let's talk about one of our friends on the west side of the state, Rich France. Uh, one of the tracks, it's that time of year where they're wrapping up things and uh, Berlin Raceway right there with everybody else. Yeah, Zach, uh, 
they they had their Chet Championship uh, this weekend out at the Berlin Raceway, and Brian Tillema and Evan Shotko grabbed super late model feature wins on Saturday night. Uh, both Tillema and Shotko had one thing in common. They had to hold off Brian Campbell to grab the win. And with the performances, Campbell did enough to capture the 2021 Berlin Raceway Track Championship for the super late models. Other champions, Zach, at Berlin included Josh Fry in the limited late models and Ryan Holtzlander in the sportsman class. Well, uh, also in the championship category, the final events of the 2021 season unfolded Friday and Saturday night for the Great Lakes family of sprint cars. Tri-City Motor Speedway played host Friday night as uh, an impressive track surface, Rich, brought out a heavy cushion around the top, as we talked about with Kevin Reeve, and it also had a really competitive line of moisture around the bottom. Keith Sheffer Jr., Mike Galagia, led the Great Lakes traditional sprints field to the green. Sheffer jumped out to the early lead as Galagia fell back early. And then it looked like Sheffer's race to lose, and then he almost did. He had to survive a number of cautions, including holding off a charge from Dustin Daggett. It was really funny. Under one of the cautions, Daggett wanted this win, Rich France. He pulled up alongside Sheffer under caution and, and kind of gave him the goose uh, a couple of times as to say, I'm here and I'm coming for you, and he did just that. Daggett took the lead a couple of times, had pulled alongside the outside of uh, Sheffer, and managed to get the lead for a couple of laps. Sheffer did a nice job. He regrouped, went back to work, and refound the front of the field. He would hold on to win his uh, second event of the season. A hopeful accomplishment on gaining points on Steve Irwin for the championship. Then Saturday night, the Great Lakes traditional sprints were the first feature to take to the Speedway at Merritt Speedway. And it looked as though Danny Sams was going to put on a show with Irwin in the closing laps. But then Sams brought the field to the start alongside Galagia. He put his number 14 car out front by lap one and was clearly the car to beat. But with five laps to go, the caution was displayed and the field was brought back nose to tail, erasing Sams' lead. With Irwin right behind him, Sams went into turn one and was never able to get the car completely under him. By turn two, Sams had spun in front of the field. Irwin, Daggett, and Sheffer managed to avoid the the uh, spinning Sams, but Galagia was not as fortunate. He slammed sideways into Sams, sending both cars flipping toward the infield. Then, as Mike Ostrowskis brought his 3A machine to a stop to avoid, Ralph Brackenberry just clipped the left rear tire uh, and sent, I believe it was actually the left front tire, and sent him headlong into the floor pan of Sams' car, which was still on its side. Thankfully, all drivers were okay. On the restart, Irwin held off charges from Sheffer in route to his fifth win of the season. It was a must-win situation for Sheffer to win the championship, paired with Irwin finishing worse. So with that, it's our pleasure to welcome the 2021 Great Lakes Traditional Sprints presented by Perfect Champion on the program. Steve Irwin, my friend, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Man, you have won a lot in uh, non-wing racing, and we've had you on the show not too long ago, and your biggest thing was, man, Barry put money into this, and now the competition is unlike anything we've had before in traditional sprint series racing in Michigan. What is this championship? How much weight does this one have for you this year? I would say out of, um, you know, I got a couple side championships and a pavement championship, but this is probably the most difficult non-wing championship that I've gotten up here. Um, just when Barry put more money into it, it's, it's more competitive and, you know, and that's, uh, you know, I, I've won my fair share of races, but I mean, th these, these races are hard to win. There's no, there's no gimme, you know, races anymore up here. Steve, when you head into the last night, um, does it, 
is it a little bit more when you, you know you really kind of had to have something go wrong to lose the championship, but how much did it mean to be able to win and lock the championship up at the same time? That, that, that's that got to be a little bit extra frosting on the cake for you. Yeah, I mean, it just – I, I kind of went into uh, a mode of, you know, Barry's got a little bit different point structure where he gives a lot of points out for qualifying in the heat races. And, you know, I, I thought that if I would – qualify first or second every night and win my heat races, then I could like not, you know, coast in the future, but you know, like I, I could just play defense, but cars was pretty good. You know, I had a third place car on Friday and we ran third and I felt like we had a winning car on Saturday and it played out for us. We had, you know, got the yellows when we needed it and, you know, we won the race. So, but, I mean, if my car wasn't feeling good, you know, like I could have, you know, just took a fifth place or a fourth place and we were all right. And, you know, we had a plan kind of going into the weekend. And, you know, if we weren't feeling really comfortable, we weren't going to push the issue. As Rich mentioned, uh, you couldn't finish any worse than 13th and Keith would have had to have won. Um, and we kind of talked about this with you the last time you were on the show, but Keith wins on Friday night, doesn't doing a whole lot of good because he, uh, you, you were much better in qualifying, uh, but the scenario was there for, for him to win the championship, but obviously you had been there before, um, that race, as you said, played right into your cards, man. I was really hoping that, that Danny was going to be able to save that car. Cause I think you two would have put on one heck of a show. Yeah. I mean, it, I knew I had a good car because when we got into second, finally, you know, we kind of ran him down from. Oh gosh, it was a, a it back, was it was a big gap, you know, yeah. You know, so we knew we were good, and I I I I thought I had him lined up there in lap traffic before the yellow came out, so I knew we had a good shot to win it. But like I said, when you're running for points, you don't want to push the issue too hard. So I could see he kind of slipped up there. And he was kind of half spinning. I didn't know he was going to spin out all the way. Right. And uh, it just sucks that everybody got tore up in that deal. But, you know, everybody's trying hard and um, trying to do what they can, you know, to get a good finish. But I was pretty confident at that point that we could have, uh, you know, would have, would have been able to win the race one way or the other. You know, we said something would have had to have gone wrong. And it almost did early in that race. Uh, for Fans that know sprint car racing, they know uh, that uh, you and Mike Galagia race really hard when you're around each other, and that was no different on Saturday night. Um, pretty pretty hard contact getting into turn three, put you up on the bike, you bounced up toward the top of the cushion. That was a big moment. Walk me through that and and your recovery to get back to get to get yourself back in the race after that. Yeah, Mike was try. Mike was kind of playing defense, and he was kind of blocking the bottom and just being real wide and. And, you know, at, at one point in the race, that's fine, you know, that he was, uh, you know, racing that way to protect that spot because we were right on Danny Sams. But then, like, Danny Sams gets gets a half lap in front of us, and I'm like, well, we got to go. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? You know, so, you know, and, and Merritt being Merritt, and a lot of tracks like this, Crystal, and I'm not picking on Merritt or whatever, but a lot of our tracks up here, whether they're fast or they're slow, they're just narrow tracks. They're not real wide like an Eldora or, you know, what have you. So, you know, it's, there's not a lot of room to move around. So you, sometimes you just kind of got to muscle your way in there. And I muscled my way in there and, and uh, me and Mike got together and 
I kind of lifted and let Mike go because you know what I mean? I didn't want to wreck us. And I was like, well, we'll just, uh, I'll, I'll try to figure another way around, but you know, it's just real tight Michigan and that's, that's pretty normal. And, uh, you know, me and Mike's done that a couple other times. And I, uh, you know, I knew like when, when I got off the gas and trying to just let us gather up, you know, I, you know, Mike's a really good racer and, uh, I know he'd get it back going and we, you know, we just keep battling on the rest of the race. Now Steve, five wins in 2021. Uh, that's a nice number with the great lakes traditional sprints, but was there any point in the season outside of rolling into the first event where everybody thinks they have a shot when, when you thought, man, we got something for these guys. We could, we can, we got something for this championship here in 2021. Well, the car that I ran last year, I didn't win any races and, it was an experimental car and we started the year with that car and it, that car wasn't very good at all. And, um, we actually went down to Kokomo and ran that car one more time. And the car always qualified good, but never raced, you know, very well at all. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> if we go down to a whole different area and it does the same thing, then, you know, we know we got to switch cars. Well, the only car that I had was this wing car that's built specifically for wing racing, but it's the only one I had. Mm-hmm. So we put that together and we went to the open shows at I-96 and we won the first two. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this car is way better. And I can't afford another car, so we'll just run this car. So really doing that, our due diligence early in the year and trying to just, well, we have this car and this car, which car is going to be the best? You know, so running those races before the points actually started was the catalyst and, you know, and really kind of getting a head start. Like if we would have started the season with the other car, I don't know if we would have done as well as what we did this year. Yeah, and the numbers don't lie, man. 13 races this year, you have 13 top five finishes. Uh, That is an incredible statistic. And, uh, again, Keith, right there with you, 13 races, 12 top fives. Now, you are one of eight feature winners this year. Uh, This is a pretty aggressive schedule for the traditional sprints. And so, uh, as Rich said, to put five wins on the board is impressive nonetheless. Um, the, The competition in traditional sprints this year is so much different than it has been in years past. And I think we're only going to see that grow into next year. Are you going to come back to try to defend this? Have you made that decision yet? Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, you, you got to, the way I do my team is we've had the same sponsorship stuff that we have. So we know what, what we got, but it kind of all determines on how much money I make working, you know, during the winter time of what we're going to do. Sure. And, you know, it it was a no brainer to do this deal with Barry this year because it's it's minimal travel for me. I mean, I don't live in the greatest spot to race the sprint car anyway, but it's uh, with him bumping. I mean, the winning, just the winning stuff, and I, you know, I don't know what the whole field is, but um, it, I mean, the winning purse went from eight hundred dollars to twelve hundred dollars. I mean, I mean that's huge. Which, in turn, if you can win, that's great but it's going to bring more competition. And, you know, I welcome it because I, you know, what I think uh, the non-wing stuff can bring is a very entertaining um, product to the fans. And when you got better guys coming in and you got younger guys coming in that like it, 
you know, it's just something different than the wing stuff that the fans can enjoy. And we're putting on way better shows and, you know, um, you know, I think the next step is, you know, you know, if we can, you know, build on what we've done this year and get more guys from Ohio and Indiana to come up. I mean, some guys don't like it because they come up and win, but you know, that's just all that's just going to make us better. You know what I mean? And, you know, and it's going to make me and, and, and Keith better and Dustin better and everybody better on that deal. You know, and, and even when the guys come up and win, they're not winning by a bunch. They're just barely winning. So that just says something about, you know, the guys up here stepping their game up and we're, you know, we're, we're getting our, our pro, all of our programs are together where we're, we're hanging with these guys to do non-wing like every week. Steve, you've been at this non-wing stuff for quite a long time. Is there anything you want to do in racing or do you, outside of, of what you're doing now, or do you love it that much? You just want to stay there. Um, I would, I mean, in the, in the immediate future, I would love to do some more wing stuff, but it's hard to have a non-wing program and a wing program and do both successfully. You know, like I, I've had some opportunities to run some wing cars when there was double races. And a lot of times I turn that down because I'm just focusing on my non-wing stuff. Um, but, you know, into the future, you know, I'm not, I'm one of the older guys. I'm becoming one of the older guys. Um, I had opportunities when I was in my twenties to run silver crown cars. That's something that I'm really, I really, really, really want to do, um, in the next four or five years is, is run some silver crown races, even if we got to do it and pay for it on our own. But, uh, you know, the, the silver crown thing is something that's really, 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 you know, something important that I want to try to accomplish. And, you know, I've been close to, doing a chili bowl deal in the midget. And I mean, I'm in mean, my bucket list is pretty much silver crown and I'd like to race the chili bowl once. And then other than that, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, but you know, that's just kind of, you know, where my mind's at right now. You had some uh, limited success and we've talked about this in other programs. If folks want to go back and listen to this as you know, as they, we dive dove into it back then, you had some limited success in, in your open wheel career that took you some places in your twenties. Like you said, um, I mean, how, how, I guess, uh, for lack of a better phrase, how serious are you about maybe putting money into a silver crown program sometime in the future? Uh, pretty serious. You know, it's like, if we have to do that on our own, I mean, it'd be great to get some investors or some partners and stuff involved in that. Um, but you know, I want to make sure that I've done everything I want to do in the sprint car sprint car deal because if i have to do that all on my own i have to sell all my sprint car stuff to do it but i, I mean that's something that i'm really 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 interested in and uh, i'm pretty good buddies with, uh with matt westfall we run on the uh boss races together when i'm not running up here and him and his dad and and matt's run silver crown a lot in the past for other owners but they bought their own car and i've been modern you know how much they spend and you know, Matt qualified fourth at the coin that was running fourth and had issues. So it's like, I, I kind of have an idea of what it's going to take and, you know, uh, you know, money wise and whatever, but you know, that's just something that, you know, that silver crown deal to me is so traditional, so old school and everybody that's anybody's has done it. So it's something that's financially somewhat reachable, 
and to be able to run on a national level, but then you only run, you know, 10, 12 races a year. You know, it's hard to do an all-star deal or a USAC national sprint car deal when you got to run 50, 60 races. You know, the, the silver crown thing is the cars are more expensive, but the races aren't, you know, you don't have to run as many races. So it's something that's financially reachable and to be able to run a national series would be, um, you know, something that I've, you know, that I would love to accomplish. You know, I've talked with some Silver Crown guys. Uh, you know, I consider uh, Cody Swanson to be a good friend of, of the industry. Um, but I'm going to say this, Steve. you got to be half-cocked to run, run one of those cars on uh, the mile, <laughs> the miles that they run those cars sometimes. My goodness, man. Uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's a far cry from what you're doing right now. Uh, how much adjustment well, do you think that'll take? Well, I don't know. I mean, in 2005, I got an opportunity to run – a pavement silver crown car. I ran Phoenix international speedway. And I think the highest speed was 170. And I I ran, and I ran Pike's peak on the pavement, which is a mile trioval. So I've done it. It's been a long time, but I've done it. And I was, uh, you know, I was pretty successful in doing that. Um, back when I got the opportunity to do it. So, you know, and I was hooked then and, um, you know, you know, it's, and it's always been in the back of my head, you know, ever since I've done it. So, um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'll probably go to the four crown this year. I'm not going to participate in the sprint car portion of it, but, um, I'm probably going to go down and really pay attention to the silver crown stuff and see what everybody's doing. And, you know, hopefully one day we'll be able to, you know, get a car down there and, and do that and go to the miles and all that. I mean, that's the biggest thing is, running the dirt miles is they've been doing that since the forties, you know? So right. the tradition and everything behind that is just super awesome. And you know, I definitely would love to be able to do that someday. Steve, just to remind you, uh, the silver crown cars are coming to Toledo speedway for their championship. Uh, the first week of October, maybe you should head down there and do a little mingling in the pit area. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've talked to a couple car owners here and there and, um, you know, um, you know, actually, you know, there is, there is one team from, uh, there was a guy from Michigan, Dick Myers, he runs uh, a pavement deal and he's got a pavement silver crown car. So I guess if he's listening and he needs a driver for Toledo, he can, uh, give me a call. You know, Rich, it almost sounded like Steve was trying to dance around some details there. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it. Steve, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you, whether it's in the pits or on the program. I want to, uh, I want to, say first off congratulations on the championship and i want to give you a chance uh to to mention those sponsors that you talked about uh, who helped you get this done this year yeah well first and foremost my wife for letting me do it and she puts just as much effort into this deal as as, as i do and then you know pat and roger Holsinger, they just they don't own a business they don't you know they just take their own money and put it into the team and you know they're just trying to have fun so i mean they put way more money into into it than what I think they should, but you know, um, you know, their help is invaluable. And then my buddy Nathan that comes to the shop and goes to the track with me, he's been with me since 2012. And you know, with that, without that, that's, that's the whole team. That's what, that's why we win. And that's why we do well is, is, you know, our partnership with Pat, Pat and Roger and my wife and Nathan, you know, it's like, I can go through all the, the little sponsors we got, but, you know, if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you know, 
you know, them people help us out a lot too. But, you know, I just, I really want to focus on those three, you know, um, you know, deals because this deal doesn't win. It don't go down the road. It don't, you know, the work don't get done. You know, everybody works and everybody finds time to do this. And, you know, we try to make it fun and, but we're also really serious about it. And, and the most fun thing is, is that we win races. And that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, yeah, we're working hard, but, and this, all this work is horrible, but you know, when we win, it's all worth it. Right. So, and everybody buys into that program and, you know, I've been with the same people for a while. And so as long as we can keep that deal going, we'll, you know, we'll be in good shape. I guess last thing, uh, anywhere else, as you mentioned, Facebook, Twitter, people can follow along, but what else is on your schedule? Anything else to close it out? Or are you going to put it away? Um, we're debating this weekend. We can go to Fremont and then there's a, uh, an extra, uh, GLTS non-points race at Crystal. We'll be at Fremont or Crystal. And then we're going to take a couple weeks off and we have the boss, uh, the roll the dice, which is a big deal. I mean, I'm really focusing on that right now because I think it 2000 win and then maybe 4,000 win on Saturday. Right. And then, um, we're going to run Kokomo the week after that. And there's a boss race at Williamsfield the next day. And I think that's what, so we got four or five more races. All right, man. Well, Hey, good luck with those. Congratulations again on the championship. And I appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you guys had a great program and, um, you know, I'll keep it going. And, um, I'm glad you guys uh, support spring car racing, whether it's wing or non-wing and, um, you know, appreciate it. Always a pleasure to bring Steve on, and, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy talking to him. It's going to be interesting to see if he finds a way to get into Silver Crown. Sounds like it's not if, more as if when. Sounds like he really wants to, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it really does. Uh, I, that's why I said, you ought to go down to Toledo and, uh-huh. and, 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 and <laughs> kick and some do tires, some, do some networking, you know what I mean? Yeah, for I, sure. I, I think he'd have fun with that. But, Zach, you know what? Speaking of Tri-City, um, an event coming up that we've been handling all year long and following all season long Yes, um, is finally going to come to its conclusion. The all-star performance late model challenge series wraps everything up this weekend at Tri-City Motor Speedway, the final event of 2021. Uh, Dona Marcoulier has a solid lead, and I think the only way he can probably lose it is if he decides to go on Houghton Lake boating yes. instead, of, <laughs> instead of going uh, to the racetrack on Friday and Saturday. But uh, second and third place, Travis Stemmler and Brandon Thurlby, one point apart, Zach, for runner-up in the All-Star Performance Challenge Series. What do you think? I think that it's Dona Marcoulier's to lose. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be able to. Like you said, if he unloads that 6M machine, it's pretty much a done deal. My question is, can anybody dethrone him from big money at Tri-City Motor Speedway? My goodness. Uh, I think if anybody is, it's probably going to be Eric Spangler. It's kind of been the the Dona and Eric show at Tri-City this year. But I'm going to tell you this, Rich France, that racing surface that we saw on Friday night with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, if that is somehow what they're graced with this weekend, I think it could be anybody's game with multiple grooves, a cushion, a line of moisture around the tractor tires. I really think it could be one heck of a weekend if they can get that track to do what it did last weekend. But I, Zach, I'm going to have to, you know, kind of play devil's advocate here a little bit and, and kind of go against you. Um, is that Dona Marcoulier's racetrack in 2021? 
or is Tri-City Motor Speedway's Eric Spangler's racetrack well, in 2021? And that's what I mean is it's been it's been one of those two drivers, right? Uh, obviously, go back to 2020, and it was the Dona Marcullier show. And then this year, Eric Spangler, like you said, kind of stepped up to the plate. He's got a couple of Challenge Series wins there, and he's run good there as well. Uh, but I think that when, when you look at Tri-City, Dona's name definitely comes to the top first. And let's remember uh, – Travis Stemmler only has one Challenge Series win this year, and it's at Merritt Speedway. He'd probably like to get back on the win uh, win list again with the Challenge Series, and uh, you know he's not probably going to win the championship this year, so he'd probably like to take some of Mike Blackbear's money on the way out of the season. So uh, I don't know. I think that's the great thing about the Challenge Series is it's anybody's race. Thurlby's been quiet this year, but he's been a winner at Tri City before. Um, Chad Finley's looking for a good run. There's a lot of motivation, especially, Rich, you know this, heading into the last race of the weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, the last weekend of the season. This is your one of your final chances to end up in victory lane, and, and that just makes guys even more hungry. And a lot of money on the line this weekend. Uh, I believe over $15,000 between the two nights. And the winner then gets another 10000 So somebody could... Dona Marcoulier could, <laughs> could wrap up, could, could have a $25,000 weekend at Tri-City. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, Dona, if you're listening, what are you doing on Monday? Maybe you could, maybe we could have dinner somewhere, do the show, uh, you know, <laughs> on you. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a great weekend, Friday and Saturday at Tri-City, Battle by the Bay, really a great weekend, and All-Star Performance Challenge Series, of course, coverage right here on Horsepower Happenings, brought to you by Auto Value. Rich, do you do you take money? Do you put money on anybody going to Victory Lane? Who you got? You know, um, I'm, I'm going to think that Dona Marcoulier is going to win one of the two nights, I think, um, but I am going to go out on a limb because he's been good all year. Um, he's had some bad luck. He's had some things happen. But I think he's due for another win. And this is going to surprise you, but I am going to go with Chad Finley on Sunday. All right. On Saturday. On Saturday. Saturday, Saturday night. Yeah, yes. That's what I think. Chad that's Finley think. on Saturday. All right. He, he usually wins when he's overdue. And, boy, what he's been through the last couple of weeks, yeah. he is – sorely overdue he wants to forget about those well i put my money on travis stemler earlier this year and he finished second and then i saw him uh at, at i-96 the next weekend and he goes man i'm sorry i let you down um you didn't first off travis but second off hey why not go get one this weekend at tri-city and then i think obviously dona marcoulier ends up in victory lane at some time this weekend as well so uh that's my pick i'm going dona and travis uh to pick up wins this weekend all right, let's talk about Great Lakes Super Sprints again. This time, uh, I should say Great Lakes Sprint Cars. This time, it's the Super Sprints. They had Friday and Saturday night championship races as well. Their events were pretty quiet. It was pretty much get up front, hold the pedal to the floor, and dominate. Brad Lamberson and Jared Horseman were the front row at Tri-City Motor Speedway Friday night. Lamberson jumped out front off the start and would not be denied. The Parma, Michigan driver ripped the lip on his way to his second feature win of the season. Sweet redemption after finishing second at Tri-City back in May. Then on Saturday, you remember earlier in the show when we were talking about Danny Sams, and uh, it was all about redemption. Not only for uh, the flip in the non-wing portion of the show, but also... The July show at Merritt Speedway, where Sam's arguably had the best car on the track but was eliminated from the race after he had two caution flags, the, the redemption was there. He put on an absolute clinic, that being Danny Sam's. He opened up over a half a track lead 
on Ryan Rule and would go on to win the race. As for Rule, just by transferring into the show, he clinched the 2021 points championship, just icing on the cake for the Coldwater Michigan driver. It's my pleasure to welcome Ryan to the show, the 2021 Great Lakes Super Sprint Series champion. And Ryan, uh, I know this is your first championship with Smith Motorsports. How does that feel here a couple of days removed, that title of Great Lakes Super Sprint Series champion? Oh, it, it feels awesome. Um, yeah, I never had a championship in anything, not my own car, not go-karts or anything. So I was, I was super excited. Yeah. You know, you've always, we've talked about this on the show before you kind of have always been the driver who races for wins. Uh, you know, you would go to big shows, big money shows, or, um, you know, you would, you would race at home and then go to money shows before the season would end. What, what was the emotion like for you to put an entire season committed together to one cause and come away with the championship? Uh, to be honest with you, it was a mostly a relief. Um, I, I tried not to worry about it too much, but I, the last three, four weeks, uh, I, I was actually pretty stressed out about it. Yeah. Yeah, and so we lose Max Stambaugh in in the points bait race, but Dustin Daggett close enough that mathematically he was in it that final weekend, and he, of course, already had a championship as one of the best in our region. Um, is that what was what, – what about that was, was keeping you up at night, I guess? Um, yeah, the, the max kind of taken off and stuff. That was that – was, you know, took some pressure off for sure because that was a super close points deal. But, um, yeah, I just – I guess that I knew so much weird stuff can happen racing that – if we had motor problems in qualifying or something, I knew we could lose a ton of points and, uh, Dustin and his crew were, you know, they've done, done it all so much that I just kind of know they're ready for anything. So I guess I was kind of just assuming the worst could happen and, um, getting nervous about things like that. And do you think that was warranted? Because I mean, you've been through some big battles on the racetrack and, I mean, obviously, if if you'd rather have it one way or another, you'd rather have a nice gap, Ryan, to where you know, okay, if I if I lose a few spots here and there, um, all I really have to do is get through this event. Um, yeah, yeah, and I kind of was thinking about that stuff, like Tri City, for example. Um, I felt like I I could have ran a little harder, but it was getting kind of sketchy on the top in three and four, so I didn't want to slip off the banking, so I just kind of backed off a little bit and wrote it out. And then for the feature at Merritt, I, I was pretty sure that we had it locked up. So I felt like I could run the, the actual race a little harder. Take us inside the shop. Uh, what does this mean for the Smith Motorsports crew? I know that they have done, you know, uh, Steve and those guys have done a lot for uh, themselves on the pavement side. And, you know, they've they've kind of had – uh, some drivers revolve around that seat before you took it over. What about, what has it been, Ryan, three or four years now? And uh, what does this championship mean to them? Have you had a chance to talk to them about it? Yeah, yes. I I stopped by the shop on Sunday on the way home from Merritt. And, yeah, it's they all seem super happy, Steve and his wife, Michelle. And the crew guys hung out after the races. And, yeah, that's it was a, a pretty good feeling. Everyone seemed really happy and yeah, they, they've been pretty great. They, 
I've definitely been busy. Um, I destroyed a couple of cars and <laughs> I hit several infield tires here lately that they had to fix stuff up for. And, and then Steve was trying to be proactive and anything he thought might have a few too many races on it. He, he would replace here the last few months just to, you know, make sure there was nothing we were second guessing. We talk a lot on the show when we, we have guys like you on about how competitive Great Lakes Super Sprints is and, and the drivers that you race against. 18 starts, uh, 17 top 10s, 14 top 5s, and uh, you lead all comers with five feature wins. That's an impressive series and an impressive stat uh, line against, uh, let's see here, the fact that we have uh, seven, eight drivers with wins in the series this year. Uh, so, I mean, wins are hard to come by and then let alone to put together such consistent finishes as you did, you end up winning the championship in the end by 140 points. Uh, you know, again, things didn't go exactly as we'd like them to here in this final third with, with, uh, Max dropping out, but you still had to put an entire season together. Was it as hard as you thought it was going to be when you, when you thought about having to run for a championship? What was the difficulty level like in your mind? Um, I, I guess it got progressively more difficult the more it went on and the more I started thinking about it because at first it was just, well, we'll run as, as good as we can and kind of see how it plays out. But then, you know, coming to the, the final stretch of it, knowing that we had the lead or we were close, um, I didn't want to make any unnecessary risks or anything to, cost a bunch of points so yeah there was a lot of times where I would just ride it out instead of trying to gain a spot or two and you know potentially take ourselves out of the race and cost us a bunch of points but the, the series is awesome it's so the nights where I didn't even think we were too far off you know we would end up like eighth or something and I, I think that just goes to show how how good all the other cars are and how many good drivers are following the series. So you, you wrap up this championship this weekend. Um, it's still, I keep, I keep looking outside. It's still sunny and it's still warm. Uh, you guys thinking about maybe having some fun and, and going anywhere else, or are you guys just going to hang the cars up for the year? Uh, initially, um, I, the Smith team were talking about, you know, just kind of calling it a season because man, they have, They've all worked their tails off. Um, but I kind of ended on a high note. I think everybody's in good spirits. So we're talking about maybe going to Fremont and, you know, doing some 410 stuff. So I think uh, we'll be back out a couple more times. I was, that's what I was going to ask is if you're going to break the 410 out uh, and see if you could find any all-star shows or anything like that around here to wrap up the season. Um, because I know that, that that's kind of where you got your start, Ryan, is behind the wheel of a 410. So I know that you enjoy getting back behind the wheel when you can. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I love 410s. Um, it's just it's so tough if you don't do it that often and everything happens so quick that, you know, it's, it's not that easy to just kind of show up and do it a couple of times a month and have the results you want. But, you know, I, I, yeah, still just trying to race as much as possible. One other thing I, I want to make sure that we mention, and I'm going to, I want to give you a chance to talk about all of them, but 
I think your season, Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, was almost in jeopardy at one point, and it was kind of early in the season. You 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 had wrecked a couple of times, and um, you know it was kind of touch and go there on whether or not you're going to be able to put a car back together. Then you pick up a new sponsor, and and things really started to turn the corner there. Um, how much of a difference did that make in your season to uh, to be able to bring TLC on, or TC? I'm sorry, TC. Uh-huh. Uh, right, right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I was, I was gonna make a point to bring that up actually. Cause yeah, that, that was huge. Um, we, we had destroyed a, it was almost a brand new car. I think everything had three nights on it and yeah, it was a huge setback and the Smith team kind of almost jokingly said sponsors are welcome. And then Jerry Witted from TC power sports saw it and, messaged messaged the Smiths and asked if they really needed help and 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 he uh got behind it full force and it's been an awesome relationship uh yeah Jerry's he's been great and it sounds like he's trying to get more involved and really step things up and uh now when we talked about this earlier this year we understand that you that that was a 410 car, right, that had been been destroyed. But that all makes a difference on the entire program, does it not? I mean, the, the, those chassis can interchange. You know, it's just it's kind of an engine thing. Um, I mean, I, I'm wondering if people understand how much of a setback that really was to have one chassis that you said, you know, as you said, was almost completely new, be out of the stables. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty huge. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's interchangeable. So with the, the chassis, well, actually everything it's, it's all the same except for the motors. So the shocks and the wheels that were on the car were stuff that goes on the other car when we show up to those races. So, and, um, and that the wreck really took out everything and even wrecked it. Like it pulled the bolts out of the tail tank. <laughs> wow. So stuff that we, you know, rely on to, go back and forth um that all had to be replaced and the the wings even can go back and forth so it was yeah it was a humongous loss on inventory of parts well ryan uh, we mentioned tc power sports and uh, i know that I've almost got your sponsor list memorized, but I know I would forget someone. Um, so who is it that makes it possible for you to have picked up this 2021 championship? Oh, definitely TC Power Sports. They yeah, really got things back going. Uh, Jim Coffee and Sons, uh, Lock and Bar, Gressman Power Sports, uh, Kistler Racing Products, uh, Brian Kemenaw over there has helped us out a ton, try to get things straightened out when when we kind of veer off track um slade shocks they've been super helpful I'm, I'm probably forgetting a handful but i know those are the the main ones that we we deal with and talk to the most ryan congratulations man nice job uh, on, a, on a season well done Looking forward to seeing what you do here in the end of the year specials because I think, as you mentioned, you got a little conservative there trying to wrap this championship up. So uh, we'll see if we can talk to you again after another victory sometime at the end of the season. 
Yeah, man, that would that would be awesome. Ryan Rule, he's your 2021 Great Lakes Super Sprints, presented by Engine Pro and ARP Champion, and he wrapped it up Saturday night with a second place finish at Merritt Speedway. Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Rich, thanks for having me. Okay, well, uh, Dan helped us get into it a little bit, Rich France. Glass City 200 weekend is here. Uh, I know that you're very excited to get to Toledo Speedway. This is actually one of my favorite races and has been for quite a long time, Zach. Uh, the 33rd running of the Central Transport Glass City 200 presented by Hampton and Courtyard by Marriott and Drivetrain Specialists this Saturday at Toledo Speedway. 100 laps for the Outlaw Super Late Models, 100 laps for the ARCA CRA Super Series, and we will also settle the CRA Junior Late Model Championship as well uh, on Saturday. And currently, I like the car counts because we have almost a week left. Okay. We yeah. have four, five days left. 19 Outlaws currently on the books, 17 Super Series template body late models on the books. Now, let's hit the Outlaws first. Um, outlaws currently on the list. And these, get, these are drivers, Zach, who have won this event in the past at least once. Uh, Steve Needles, of course, we know when that happened last year for the first time. Harold Fair Jr. has two wins, and Dennis Strickland has a win back in 2013. Other former winners at Toledo that are entered, Frank Giovanni, Scott Hance, Mike Root, Nick Bailey, all of those drivers have victories at Toledo. And then additional additional entries, uh, Steve Cronowitz Jr., who had a nice run this year at Flat Rock. Uh, Caden Lapsovich is jumping back in Bobby Blount's 16 uh, wedged late model. It's been a long time for him. So Hayden Sprague out, uh, Caden Lapsovich in, uh, Claude Plant Jr., and Scott Pemberton, all some of the entries on the list. As far as we're looking at the Arca Serie Super Series side, uh, currently, well, Carson Hosevar, yeah. He stunk it up last year, back again this year. Uh, but who wasn't there last year to challenge him? Brian Campbell coming off his Berlin Championship. Uh, so he will be returning as well, along with Cody Coughlin, Kyle Crump, who is having an incredible season after his win at the Red Bud 400 and at the Battle at Berlin 150. So you can't look past Kyle Crump and the current points leader, Hunter Jack, also going to be uh, on the property. Key entries, uh, Blake Rozak. We had Blake on the show uh, yeah. recently. He, he'll, he's entered on the CRA Super Series side. Albert Francis, Jeff Versick, Andrew Scheid. He's going to try the big half mile yeah. at Toledo. Uh, Bill Burba, if you remember Bill Burba for the Platinum Motorsports team, always used to see him in a modified down at the World Series of Auto Racing at New Smyrna. Um, he'll be in a template late model. Uh, Tanner Jack as well, and the Varney brothers, Brandon and Evan, uh, are both entered for the event at Toledo. Zach, you see everybody? You pick one, because I can't. Well, and I want to point out a couple of things. I just want to expand on what you said here. On the template side, at least, Outlaws is not my strong suit, but obviously through uh, my work with CRA this year, I've had a chance to follow the template side a little bit closer. Andrew Scheid went and basically tested at Winchester, uh, what was it, about a week ago, two weeks ago, and he got out of the car, and he looked at Johnny Van Dorn, and he goes, I'm sorry, man, but this place feels slow. And Johnny said, your lap times are right where they need to be, so don't worry about it. So... I don't know. The, the the Toledo Speedway may not be a challenge for this kid if he thinks that uh, Winchester felt slow. He also had turn laps at, at uh, Nashville earlier this year in a Jegs car. So uh, I don't know. I think Andrew Scheid is really coming into the template ride. He's getting comfortable. He's coming off a really good run at Berlin. 
Again, way different than Toledo Speedway, but um, I, I'm not looking for them to have for him to have a breakout performance. But I think they'll have a good run on Saturday. And uh, you know, I, I like Andrew. We've known him for a long time, mm -hmm. but I have to tell you, Zach, and remind you, testing at Winchester. Oh, for sure. On your own is a whole lot different than going door to door with Carson Hosevar or Brian Campbell. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay? The, the the task at hand is heavy, to say the least. No doubt about but, it. And, and and you have to, you you can't get cocky at the Toledo Speedway, Zach, either, because it is fast. Um, it it can really set up for some side by side racing. But if you make a mistake, it can come back and bite you the same way Winchester can. Well, and as Dan Leak just said in his interview, Toledo Speedway is hard on equipment. So even if you are putting together a good race, you never know when that car is going to give up the ghost and cause problems. ARCA CRE Super Series chase for the championship is underway right now. So you got to watch for Cody Coughlin to be strong. Uh, Hunter Jack is looking for a better performance. They had issues at Berlin. They were a start and park. Um, so watch for them. He was the regular season champion, so uh, obviously he was able to start and park at Berlin, but now the pressure's on to be competitive. So uh, watch for Hunter Jack to have a good showing. Uh, of course, Kyle Crump in the chase for the championship as well. He's been red hot in template cars all of a sudden this year. So uh, I don't think it, I don't think we can hand the trophy and the check presentation to Carson Hosevar just yet. This is going to be a really good race, and uh, – as you mentioned, Brian Campbell rolling in as well. He's he's going to be looking for some sweet redemption. Um, so I'm not going to pick anybody. I'm just simply not going to pick anybody for the template race, Rich, because it, it is anybody's race to win. And, um, you know, you've got that championship battle in there. Are those guys going to go for a win to punch their ticket to Winchester, or are they going to race conservative? You just never know, and that's the fun part about the ARCA CRA Super Series chase. As for the template cars, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with Dan Leak on this one. Steve Needles has one finally. Uh, he, he was able to put one in the bag. He's really tough. And uh, I, I think you're probably going to want to watch that 14 car if that's what unloads at Toledo Speedway. Yeah, and, and we're waiting to see some more ads. I don't know. Um, I can't remember the last time J.R. Rorig missed a Glass City 200. Right. But he, he is currently not on the list. Either is Tyler Rorig. He is currently not on the list. But he... You know, I don't know if everybody was waiting. That's what happens. You kind of get a delayed response sometimes when um, you have a big race a week before another big race. Uh, you know, kind of people want to wait and make sure they get through the first one. Right. Uh, and kind of analyze everything to make sure. I think we're still going to have many cars where I think we're going to have well, I think we're going to have uh, well over 45 or 50 cars in the pit area mm -hmm. um, for the two shows, which will be great. Um, I mean, how many cars are you going to start, Zach, anyway? But, uh, yeah, you got to look at Steve Needles. Harold Fair Jr., um, you know, he's a multi-time winner, the only multi-time winner in this field. Um, I think he can still do it. I think he can still win. Um, he's still got, you know, that 71 machine is still awfully fast wherever he goes, and, he, and, and he's always been fast all season long. Um, but Caden Lapsovich, watch that 16 car, Zach. Uh, last time he ran the Glass City 200, fast qualifier overall uh and you know really should have you just need to watch that young man because he's not been up here i think he i think he moved from uh grimsby ontario canada down to charlotte north carolina and he's working down there in the shops and um you know we haven't seen him up here uh this is the first time in a long time that i've seen so i i'm i'm looking at caden lapsovich because everything that i've seen him sit in 
has gone fast. Glass City 200 is this weekend. As we mentioned, Rich France, what are the details for the fans who plan on showing up to catch all the action? So this is going to be, they're doing, they're getting this thing off early, but they're making it an afternoon for you. So basically what they're going to do is act grandstands open at 1230 along with practice. So you can come in early, sit down, watch all the practice all afternoon for the outlaws and the super series. Uh, qualifying will get underway at 315 and then we're going to have an early race time, five o'clock. So uh, 5 p.m. first green flag. So we should be out of there at a decent time. And it, and right now down in Toledo, it looks like it's going to be very nice weather, mid eighties and sunny. It's going to be a nice day, which uh, I've seen before on glass city, 200 weekends Zach. that can sometimes not be the case, huh. but uh, yeah, sunny in the eighties. I'll take that uh, third week of September all day long. And then, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Friday and Saturday, September 17th and 18th, Battle by the Bay, $10,000 to win. Dirt Car UMP Late Models as part of the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series presented by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Gates open at 4 o'clock, or I'm sorry, gates open at 4.30, racing at 7 o'clock each night. Not only will you get to see the Challenge Series, but UMP Modifieds will be in the house as well as IMCA Mods slash B Mods. Uh, pro Stocks, Factory Stocks, 4 and 6 Cylinders, and Mini Wedges all expected to be there. Two action-packed nights of dirt track racing Friday and Saturday, September 17th and 18th. Battle by the Bay with the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series at Tri-City Motor Speedway, and we'll have the Challenge Series coverage here on Horsepower Happenings presented by Auto Value. That's a jam-packed show of Horsepower Happenings, Rich France, and it's going to be just like that again next Monday night. Um, man, what a week, and what a weekend we've got coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's going to be busy for me on Saturday because I not only have to work the outlaw super late models with Gary, but uh, I'll be handling the announcing duties with uh, my best buddy down in Nashville for the weekend. Yeah. So I'll handle the glass city, the Arcus area super series portion of the glass city 200. I'll say this. I'm happy for the opportunity to go to Nashville, but golly darn, gosh, darn it. Uh, did it have to conflict with the gas city, the glass city 200? Come on, man. Um, I, I know somebody down there. We should talk him into scheduling it a different weekend next year. No. You think he'd listen to us? No, I don't. But, yeah, I think <laughs> it's worth a conversation. Hey, man, uh, always a pleasure. Glad to have you here. And uh, I, I do want to say again, uh, hopefully you took the opportunity over the weekend to uh, to reflect on our nation, reflect on everything that's going on, and reflect on what happened to our country 20 years ago during Patriot Day. And if you haven't done that yet, why not do it now? All the lives that were lost needlessly. Um, why not take a minute and think about that and reflect on our nation as part of uh, Patriots Day, September 11th. And uh, yeah, it was it was a really great weekend to see everybody do that and all the all the tributes and all that that happened. So it's going to do it for an episode of Horsepower Happenings for my buddy Rich France, for Scott Menlin, who pays the bills for Horsepower Happenings. I'm, I'm uh, Zach Heiser. I forgot who I was for a second. I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week right here. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.